Hi, I'm James Kotecki. You're listening to the C-Space Studio Podcast. Interviews with technology, media, and marketing leaders from CES 2020. Hi, I'm James Kotecki here in the C-Space Studio at CES 2020. And joining us for the second year in a row... Second year. Tiffany R. Warren, SVP and Chief Diversity Officer, Omnicom Group. Hi. Thanks for being back. Thank you for having me back. So let's talk about this year and last year. Last year, you said about diversity, we're better, but we haven't gone far enough. Yes. So how about now? That's a tough question because what I pull into that is everything that's happening in the world. You know, I live in New York, and in the recent headlines, there's been a lot of anti-Semitism. There's a lot of divisiveness that's coming from the top. And so I think we're we are making better choices about hopefully being kinder to each other on a personal level, but on a societal level, I think we've taken a couple of steps back. Last year, you also talked about corporate America taking the leadership role on issues of diversity and inclusion and maybe just being kind and nice. Um, Do you still see corporate America as the kind of vanguard of this? And are there optimistic signs in that realm that things are going in the right direction? Yeah, no, I definitely still think that is true. I think even more so because you have employees that are feeling and seeing and being affected by what's going on in the world, and they're coming into work, and work becomes a safe place, it becomes a refuge. And so I think it's the responsibility of uh, companies, uh, marketing organizations, advertising agencies, um, and the like, to provide a culture, a safe, a safe space, because if you provide that, you'll get the best work out of your, um, out of your talent. Are there ways in 2019, as we head now into 2020, that you see companies are just still not getting it? Kind of obvious ways they're doing it wrong? Yeah, I think you, you've seen headlines in different companies, but people, uh, companies, excuse me, pour a lot of resources into great conferences and ERGs and things that are helping the culture, but they're not taking care of the systematic issues. So if these employees or talent are coming back from a company-sponsored event, but their manager is not supporting or promoting them, there's really a conflict of interest there. So you know, the resources should be spread equally, not just, you know, sort of the nice PR things, but also the internal systematic changes that need to be made. And how much can culture really change? I mean, I imagine there's a couple yeah. of theories about it, right? Like, yeah. One theory is you just hire the right people and they organically create the culture yeah. and you can't really change people that much. Yeah. Another is you could have kind of top-down events or conferences yeah. or trainings, yeah. that, that, but maybe do those, do those changes last? So I guess this is a fundamental human nature kind of question at the basis, which is like, how much can people really change? Yeah, I mean, I do, I see what you're saying, but I do think that, um, you know, diversity, equality, and inclusion within corporations is, is a fast-moving train. I think people think it's static. So let me just apply the training and let me just uh, do the implicit bias conversations and everything will be well, and it'll last you know, like a year or 10 years, but you have to think about people are coming and going in a company, and so you have to constantly um, keep this at the top of everybody's mind and model it from the top down. But I also think there's a huge amount of people in the middle that need to be supported in their efforts to change the culture. And sometimes people focus on entry level and they focus on the C-suite, but they forget the middle. And the middle is really what's going to move and change a culture, you know, ultimately. And what kind of support do they need? I mean, beyond just, um, you know, HR and and culture, but, you know, I've really seen a lot of interest in CSR. So, essentially, corporate Corporate social social responsibility. And so I see a lot of the middle wanting to represent the company in a really strong way externally, and then they bring that hope and they bring that goodwill back into the company. And again, it allows them to be more productive. 
what is a better argument for diversity, inclusion, equality, that it is the right thing to do or that it is a smart business thing to do? Those are two talking points that have been making the rounds for about 30 years. Um, and I think the right, when you say it's the right thing to do, you minimize it and it makes it like a charitable thing. Hmm. And when you say it's um, it, when you say it's a business driver, immediately you have to make sure that you have results to prove that. But there's hmm. so many studies, HBR, McKinsey, um, that will tell you from a gender equality and from a, uh, from a diversity and inclusion standpoint that when you have different minds and different ways of thinking and people from different cultures and communities, it provides a richer environment for growth and for innovation. There are uh, a lot of themes at CES, and one of them is artificial intelligence and has been for a while. Something that I don't think we really talked about this last year, but certainly you see headlines around bias and artificial intelligence. And uh, where where does your leadership effort kind of play in on that, and what's your thoughts on that? I haven't touched that so, so much in my area of interest, but it's something that fascinates me and that I'm always like you know, trying to read up on so that I can be ahead of the curve, you know, if that comes my way. But yeah, there's real biases. I mean, just simply put, when I um, go and wash my hands in the bathroom, sometimes the sensor doesn't read my skin color. And so I'm not getting the soap or I'm not getting the water. And so, you know, it, it can have an effect on just things as small as that to things as big as um, there's an app that restores um, old family photos. And so I put some of my family photos through it and I got back a completely different human Mm. because there isn't enough data for people of color in that app to make um, the corrections that need to be made. So, you know, you want to restore a a picture of your grandfather, but it comes back as a different person. Mm. That has an emotional, you know, impact on you. It seems like so much of uh, the bias that can come into these systems does come from the training data, right? Yes, it's not and necessi- the input. Exactly. Yeah. It's not necessarily someone nefariously trying to make this happen, but no. the data that people have is just is just not representative. No. So is there a role for maybe non-technical people to be uh, making strides in this area or speaking up or making sure that the data is more inclusive? Yeah, there's a lot of great... Um knowledge out there about this and and really strong arguments on either side. But one thing is clear. If we don't get ahead of this right now, then there's going to be a whole group of people that are going to be left out of the next wave of technology that will include artificial intelligence, even 5G. So, you know, I think it's important and imperative that um, those that are making products and building companies based on this um, bring in every sort of mind to make sure that we avoid algorithms that leave people out. And that's a different kind of bias that, you know, um, I don't know if we're, we're prepared for, but we should be. You also mentioned 5G. What are your concerns there about how that could go the wrong way? No, I, this is a funny, funny note. I just learned about 5G yesterday, even though it's on my phone, but learn like what its, what its capabilities are. And it's really, really exciting because, you know, we had a wave where each G brought us a different Um, easier aspect of life. And so now you could be, you know, sitting at home and enjoying a concert in in like the form of a holograph. Like that to me is really cool. But then what do, how does, you know, bias in AI and artificial intelligence play into that? When you have, you know, just thinking about music, um, the top musicians being um, really those that come from um, different cultures. So, you know, I, I, I'm excited, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this next wave of technology will include more people and not exclude. We're talking to Tiffany R. Warren, the Chief Diversity Officer, Omnicom Group. That title, Chief Diversity Officer, what do you think about that title? Is the is the long-term goal that we will never need that, we won't need that title eventually yeah. at some point? Yeah, I get that. I literally have gotten that question since um, the first day I became uh, I, I feel CEO. very unoriginal then, but no, at least it's, it's not, a good question. No, it's not unoriginal. <laughs> it's really important because 
sometimes I answer it differently every time. But if you think about, is there a need for a chief creative officer, a chief financial officer? Mm-hmm. People often say diversity is the responsible of everybody, responsibility of everybody in the company. And that, to some extent, is true, but you still need a leader that can build consensus. Mm-hmm. And so just like you need a leader to build consensus around financial concerns in your company or creative output, you need someone who can build consensus around diversity. An expert, a strategic mind. Um, often you see hires made just based on uh, people's, you know, skin color and and not thinking about the strategic output of this role. Because um, it really does matter when you have a client who's like, I, I'm not going to sign an M&A until we figure out how to include supplier diversity or diversity um, into the, the original contract um, that a company signs. So it is a, it's a really, really crucial role. Um, it's a fairly newish role um, in the last maybe 20 years. And so it's ever-developing. Like when I got hired, I had to create the role. I had a blank canvas. Um, so every day, like if you ask me, like, what's my role, it might be different month to month. Um, but it's still very, very important. And you're also the founder of Ad Color. Yeah. Can you tell us about what that is? Yeah, Ad Color um, is actually celebrating its 15th anniversary in 2021. Um, and it was founded 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago, to really honor people of color in advertising, marketing, and media. That was the goal, like have, a, have an award show. What it's grown into is a movement. And what we found is that when you keep diversity and inclusion at the center of the conversation, so many wonderful things happen. And so it started out as an award show. Now it's a conference that hosts um, close to 1,800 people every year. Um, we honor 20, 20 to 25 people from different backgrounds and different industries. But not only that, we bring in 30 young professionals who are one to three years in their career, mm-hmm. and when we provide them with professional development and create a network that's going to last a lifetime. Um, I know there's so many different elements to diversity or different ways of defining diversity. Um, you know, last year you even mentioned military veterans, which may not be the first thing that comes to mind, yeah. but even that. Um, so, uh, you know, all manners of orientations and racial diversity, religious diversity, etc. Are there, is there an element of diversity that's on your radar screen that's maybe not in the general consciousness that you think will kind of bubble up as, an, as a new a vanguard of diversity? I think initiative? within the groups you mentioned, I, I'm speaking specifically about what we've done, um, you know, not only at Omnicom, but at AdColors. We created these um, community groups that have bubbled around um, cultures that may not be at the center of, of, of many conversations. So this year, our thought is to launch something around um, Arab, Mina, and Muslim. Um, because when you look at marketing and when you look at advertising, they're really completely almost missing. Um, so it's, in, it's very... And Mina is Middle East, North Africa. Exactly. And so it's really important that we hear and understand and feel what their concerns are, but also understand their culture that's coming directly from them and not filtered to us through um, the media. So I'm really, that's what I'm really most excited about is to bring attention to that group and then hopefully that'll have an impact on um, marketing and advertising in the future. I want to make sure I, I don't miss this question about uh, corporate American social responsibility <laughs> because uh, even yeah. though we talked about it earlier, I did yeah. want to ask, you know, when you talk about corporate America making social progress, there will be people in corporations who say, I can't risk doing X initiative because I can't be political because politics is, is you know, is obviously part and parcel of this, and even things that aren't meant to be perceived as political in this day and age can be perceived as political. Yeah. So how do you respond to that? That's a great question. Uh, last night at a award ceremony for Advancing Diversity Hall of Fame, we had this exercise where we had to either go on one side or the other, depending on how we felt, and the prompts were um, love and fight, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I stayed in the middle. Mm-hmm. Some people went all the way to love. Some people went all the way to fight. And I stayed in the middle because I thought about the civil rights movement, right? On the surface, it was marching. It was protesting. 
and, and some fighting, obviously, between people who had different ideologies. But at the core of that movement and some of the more modern movements, um, there's love. And so I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's a political aspect, but there's never a risk when you're on the right side of things. So that's my answer. You call yourself uh, on your Twitter bio, I believe, and last year in our talk, a, a hope dealer. <laughs> yes. Uh, what are your hopes for the year ahead? Um, well, you know, I, I gave myself a new, another new title because every year I have a goal to figure out and pinpoint exactly who I am and what I stand for. And so I, I'm, I now feel like I'm more like an elevation specialist. And so my job is to help ele- elevate other people's dreams and conversations about diversity and inclusion. And so my goal for this year is, is to continue to push the conversation forward, even if it's uncomfortable, so that from that discomfort comes change. And so, yeah, my, my words for... 2020 are elevate, radiate, and dominate. Well, thank you for <laughs> elevating, radiating, and dominating the conversation right here with us in the C-Space studio. Tiffany thank R. Warren, so SVP Chief Diversity thank Officer, so Omnicom Group. Thank you so much. Thank you. This podcast is in partnership with the iHeart Podcast Network. 